You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We rely on the financial support of listeners like yourself to keep going. If you'd like to support diverse voices on your radio, go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World of This Week, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program is broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano, and I don't receive brickbacks. All I get is bouquets. That's the nature of this program, the anarchist world this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. And if you're wondering, if you are wondering what the word anarchos is all about, anarchos without rulers. Very simple. An anarchist society is a society without rulers, not without rules. What gives rulers the capacity to determine your life and determine the lives of billions of people? It's inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to equalise wealth. I don't mean everybody gets exactly the same, but each according to their needs. And it's the struggle to devolve power. That's share power. Simple concepts, nothing radical about anarchism. I mean, it's really radical to believe in a system of government and life and culture where a few dozen people own half of the assets on this planet. Now, that's really, really, really radical. And it's really, really radical to see a billionaire and a failed billionaire going to uh, fight it out, the United States presidency at the end of November. Now, that is radical crap. So if you're a nice, conservative, hardworking, honest person, it's very simple. You're an anarchist. You want to devolve power and share wealth. Now, we've got lots of goodies for you today, but uh, most of them pretty boring. But... I did have an experience which I'd like to share with you. Now, when you look around you, there are little things that happen which actually define the type of community you're living. And uh, I was driving up in the northern western, I think northern eastern or northern western suburbs of Melbourne a few days ago, and I came across this large childcare centre which was called Little Assets. Little assets. Isn't it lovely that when our little toddlers in our society are are considered to be, you know, 
dollars and cents, little assets. And then I, f- I was about to throw the towel in that afternoon when I sat down for a coffee and there were two workers, uh, you know, I think they were, uh, I don't know, road workers, I don't know. But they were a little bit older, a bit older, a bit younger than me, obviously. And they were chatting about their investments and their share portfolios and their superannuation. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that's it, that's it. Society does have change and people like you and me have been left behind because what we've seen in the last 20 years in this country or 30 years in this country is a major cultural shift. Just Not just an economic shift, not just a social shift, not just a political shift, but a cultural shift where it's all about making a buck. It's all about oiling the wheels of society. It's all about me, you know, me what I can get out of it, not what I can actually do for the community. So if you're an honest, hard-working person who pays their taxes, does all the right things, welcome. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week. Because like me, you're a loser. Because in a capitalist society, in a capitalist society, which is a corporatised society, you know, where a small number of corporations uh, dominate all aspects of our existence... If you pay your taxes, work hard, look after your family, do the right thing by your neighbours, you know, help to fight the fires, and the list goes on and on, as far as this society is concerned, you are L-O-S-E-R. The heroes are those who exploit other people's labour, underpay them. They're the heroes. They're the heroes and heroines of Australian society in the 21st century. Now, if you're, gonna, you're about to slash your wrists or take an overdose, don't even consider it. That's what they want you to do. They want you to think that change is impossible, that nothing will ever change. And that's why it's so hard in Australian society in the 21st century to organise political and social movements, especially political movements which are about sharing power and sharing wealth. I mean, you can organise political and social movements regarding specific issues, and some of them have been particularly successful over the decades. But when it comes to the fundamental basis of our society, the fundamental aspects, the way it is organised, the way wealth is produced, the way wealth is shared, the way people are treated, there have been no changes, no positive changes towards those that create wealth. None whatsoever. And this epidemic of underpayment or wage theft, whatever you like to call it, you know, is symptomatic of the type of society we have now become, where people are too frightened to open their mouths, even when they're underpaid and they know they're underpaid because they can lose their jobs because of the lack of protection. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, with this wage theft epidemic which has kind of uh, embroiled most of our major corporations, including the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, is it interesting that you never hear about overpayment? You would think that if it was a random act that there would be underpayment and overpayment, but you never hear about organisations like Woolworths saying, well, we've overpaid our workers $300 million, not underpaid them $300 million. But again, this is symptomatic of the type of society we have become. I'll give you another example what's symptomatic. Now, I don't usually get sick. I mean, 
not physically, I'm not talking about physically, I'm sick every day, I've got to get up and face this. But I don't normally sick about what actually happens. But I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe, I could not believe the reaction or the lack of reaction to the federal government carrying on about organisations have got till the 30th of June uh, to actually join the register to compensate individuals who've been sexually abused by institutions over the decades. And I'm thinking to myself, come on, we've just had a four-year Royal Commission which cost over $100 million. There are 7,000 people who have made claims we are now told that 700 will not be paid because those organisations which abuse them no longer exist or have refused or are refusing to subscribe. And you think to yourself, what type of society do we live in? We saw the federal government give away $100 million to sporting clubs most in marginal electorates, to help them win the last federal election in what can only be described as dubious, dubious legal uh, circumstances, let alone ethical and moral considerations, which is never a consideration in politics. Here we have 7,000 people. 70% may not get compensation. Some of these people are elderly some of them were abused in the 1950s and 40s and, and they're still surviving. And they've had to deal with that all their lives. Not only them, but their partners and children. And we seem to forget about the partners and children who have to deal with the dysfunction which occurs from systematic child abuse. 30, 40, 50 years later, they are told, we cannot pay you a miserable out of an average of about 100 $100,000 compensation because the organisations which were responsible there to protect you have not signed up. They have not signed up. How extraordinary. How extraordinary. These organisations have not signed up. So we, you won't be paid. It will take one Act wouldn't even take an act of parliament to pay people now who deserve compensation and then for the government to put pressure on those organisations to pay the government. It's very simple. It's exceptionally simple. There's nothing difficult about it. Exceptionally simple. Very simple. Very simple. And again, this is an indication of the type of mentality which highlights the type of society we have become. We are quite happy to accept the fact the government rorted taxpayers' money in order to get re-elected and quite happy to accept the fact as a society, well... You know, if, the gov if these organisations won't pay up or won't sign up, that people who have been let down by the system at every level, 
and by society itself, that we won't pay them directly and then put pressure on the organisations to pay up. What an extraordinary society we have become. It's just extraordinary. Let's move on another level. Housing affordability, it's all the rage, isn't it? Big words, housing affordability. What does it mean? It means being able to pay a mortgage or pay a rent or get into the housing market and have a roof over your head. That's all housing affordability means. So what type of society have we become in the last 30 to 40 years during the famous, you know, the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution? Okay, let's, let's have a look at it. Now, 40 years ago, 40 years ago, a wage earner, a single wage earner, did have a very good chance of actually supporting a family and not only supporting a family, but a very good chance of supporting a family and finding a deposit for a home and getting a mortgage. Forty years later, we now have the ridiculous situation, and it's totally ridiculous because it has a, a profound impact, and I'll go through this impact step by step because I think it's important that people understand how this works because it has profound implications on each and every one of us, our children and grandchildren, our neighbours and friends and even our enemies. We now have two people working in a household, if they're lucky enough to get a you know, steady job, which is unlikely, spending 35 to 40% of their income to keep a roof over their head. So that's the major issue for people at the end of the day. We have a society where there is minimal wage growth and rampant wage theft we have a society where, with minimal wage growth and rampant wage theft, where the average home price in some of the major capital cities, say, is one point one million in Sydney, and it's about it's approaching one million dollars in Melbourne, and the average mortgage. That's a mortgage. That's a repayment. Every you know, every bloody week for the next thirty years, the average mortgage is five hundred thousand dollars. We have increasing rates of homelessness, increasing rates of indebtedness, increased rates of mortgage stress, increased rates of rental stress, and all governments at all level can say is. More of the same. We need more privatisation. We need more deregulation. That's all they can say. Week after week after week after week. Year after year. Year after year. That's all they can say. They can't seem to say anything else. Just extraordinary. 
It is just extraordinary. So, what can we do about it? Well, we can work hard in underpaid, insecure jobs for the rest of our lives in order to meet mortgage and uh, rental repayments. We can sacrifice ourselves on the altar of mammon, making increased profits for a shrinking number of people and corporations. Or we can fight back. And I'm not talking about revolutionary change. I'm talking about mild reform. Mild reform. It's very simple. It's no big deal. Mild reform. If you live in a capitalist society, the best way to regulate the activities of corporations is by introducing competition. Now, what the state has done at the state and federal level, governments at the state and federal level have done over the last 40 years is have forgotten who they work for. They don't work for unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to their major shareholders to make ever-increasing profits, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. They're theoretically, they are the people's representatives and they work for the, the people of this country. And when you've got a fourth estate that is shrouded in a cone of silence, and I'll speak about a cone of silence soon and explain what I'm talking about. The ability of people to understand what's going on, and more importantly, the ability of people to listen to and look at alternatives shrinks markedly. Now, if you want... A successful capitalist society, and here I am, an anarchist, telling you how to make a ca- successful capitalist society which looks after the needs of most of it, its people, you need competition. If you deregulate and corporatise and nationalise, sorry, and uh, privatise and globalise, you will not get that situation. It won't happen. It will not happen. What will happen is that what you will see, it is what is happening today. Increasing pauperisation of an increasing number of people who spend all their waking hours trying to work out how to pay their bills. I'm not talking about the 8% of Australians who use this country's taxation, um, uh, invested friendly taxation laws to minimise their tax to uh, nothing through, bra- you know, through negative gearing, franking credits, and the list goes on and on. But I'm talking about, one, the 30% of Australians who rely on social security benefits to survive, who've been mar- marginalised, ostracised by successive governments especially Liberal National Governments. I'm talking about 
the 60% of Australians in the workforce, whether it's in small business or as employees, who find themselves squeezed at every turn. They find themselves squeezed at every turn. And they're squeezed at every turn for a very good reason, in order to maximise profits for a very small section of society. So housing affordability. Let's get back to housing affordability. (coughs) So how do you decrease rents, decrease uh, average home prices, decrease the amount of money you need to borrow from the banks to buy a home, decrease homelessness, make it easier for people to enter the first home market? You introduce competition. You introduce competition into the equation. And how do you introduce competition? You increase the public housing sector. That's right. Because the public housing sector provides two things to people on low incomes, even in medium incomes. It provides security of housing because you can't be evicted unless you do something outrageous. And two, it allows your children, if you have children, and yourself, to be actually able to develop community relationships with the organisations in your community because you're not moving from community to community to community as your housing needs become more acute. So if you increase the amount of money which is allocated to create public housing and increase the number of public homes in a community, that automatically increases competition with the private sector in a capitalist society. And what that means is that as fewer and fewer people need to find a home in the private marketplace, the prices, the prices of property, especially at the lower end, fall. As fewer people are looking for rental accommodation because they are in public, secure public housing, rents fall. And because there is public housing, there is the possibility of actually putting people who are homeless, with the assistance possibly of a case manager, into the public housing sector. Now, this is nothing radical. There is nothing radical at all. It's a matter of priorities. Now, in Victoria, where I'm familiar with the situation, the Victorian state government collects $6 billion from sales tax on homes. You buy a home, you buy, you know, you pay, you pay the government. It's very simple. It collects around $6 billion per year. Very simple. A tax on housing. A tax on you buying a house. So what happens to this money? Well, it normally goes into consolidated revenue, so governments can use it any way they like. So while the Victorian state government and previous state governments have been pursuing policies of privatising the public public housing sector and giving over its management and actual titles to privately owned organisations masquerading as community or affordable or social housing, 
we see the public housing sector shrinking. And as the public housing sector shrinking, shrinks, rents increase, housing prices increase, homelessness increase. So the Victorian state government, every state government in this country, including the federal government, has the opportunity to step in and recreate a viable public housing sector. But they choose not to. They choose not to. They prefer to widen roads, build tunnels, get rid of level crossings, because, you know, it's magic. It's something that's happening. People can see the cranes. People can see the construction. It's politically advantageous when the next uh, election occurs. Well, it's not politically advantageous. It's not politically advantageous because it causes issues. What would be politically advantageous for the people of Australia would be for state governments and the federal government to pour resources into the public housing sector. Now, I'll give you a simple example in Victoria, which I said I'm familiar with. If you use the sales tax which is raised when people purchase a home by the state government, you could remove the homeless from from the streets within a month. You could remove the waiting list within a year and you could house a million Victorians in public housing within a decade. That would be about 15% of the population. And you don't need to wait on expensive building programs. You can do that through spot purchasing. Very simple. And what spot purchasing means? means is buying established homes and units around the state, around the country. So you don't create ghettos of people with issues living cheek by jowl. People become part of communities. You don't need a PhD... You don't need to be a member of Mensa to actually come up with these solutions. This is a viable, practical solution within a capitalist society of increasing the public realm in order to compete with the corporate sector, in order to provide alternatives for people, in order to provide services for people. And we've seen the public sector disappear and continue to disappear in every sphere of activity in this country. And we are now paying the price for those seeds, those privatisation seeds, which were sown on barren ground. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org. That's 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Scarn. If you want to pursue the public housing ideas, I recommend two Facebook pages, Defend and Extend Public Housing and Public Housing, Everybody's Business. That's Defend and Extend Public Housing and Public Housing, Everybody's Business. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network.
I mean, it's, it's the same. It's the same story in aged care. We've got a royal commission which put out a, an interim report on the poverty of aged care in this country, and this has occurred a hundred percent occurred because of the privatisation of the aged care industry. It has been government policy to privatise aged care in this country for the last two decades. And what we've seen is large corporations move into the area and maximise their profits at the expense of people who need care. It's very simple. People who've worked all their lives, people who've contributed, people who've paid their taxes, people who've obeyed the law, people who've been a silent majority, the good citizen who's done all the right things, unlike you and me, because we tend to open our mouths and tend to protest and tend to demand change. But these are the good, the good Australians. You know, we're the bad Australians, they're the good Australians. And what happens at the end of their lives? They are treated worse than cattle being sent to an abattoir to be slaughtered. They are seen by corporations which dominate the aged care sector because of the privatisation agenda of successive governments. They are seen as cash cows to be milked of every cent before they die and if they're milked of every cent before they die to be evicted. It's that simple. You want your teeth brushed? An extra dollar twenty-five. Just look at the contracts. Some of them go into hundreds of pages, monitorising every little aspect of that care. You've got some situations where people are paying four to five thousand dollars a week to obtain care. So, what's the idea? Now, the aged care unions, whose members are some of the most poorly paid people on in this country, who do some of the most back-breaking, emotionally draining work in this country, suggested that we should have a levy. So at least the workers get paid properly and there's enough staff to provide for the needs of aged care people, of uh, ageing population, and that population is ageing. And where does this levy go? It will go into the pockets into the pockets of private corporations. What's wrong with the state owning and managing aged care facilities in this country and, again, providing that much-needed competition in society to the private sector. Because if there's no significant public aged care, there is no competition. If there is no competition, you'll find that the corporate sector, whose responsibility, main responsibility, isn't to the people they look after, but it's to their major shareholders, will then maybe decrease their prices or go out of business. It's very simple. So in every field of human endeavour in a capitalist society, if you want 
services to be provided at a reasonable level, you need a strong public sector in direct competition with the private sector. Look at the banking fiasco. It is a fiasco that we did have a Royal Commission and not one person has actually been charged from the banking sector for any crime, despite the fact that tens of thousands of people's lives were destroyed and hundreds committed suicide because of the predatory practices of the private banking sector. But once the Commonwealth Bank was privatised by the the Hawke Labor government, once the Commonwealth Bank was privatised, there was no holding back the private sector. As the private sector dominated the financial markets. If it dominates the financial markets, it sets as many prices as you like. Now, I've got a few overdrafts, and I, I, I love one, one... I'll give you an example of how they gouge people. Not only do you pay interest on your overdrafts, you pay what's called a credit facility fee every three months, which is a substantial fee for the privilege of having an overdraft, Then you pay for the number of transactions you do and there's a few other charges. So you find at the end of the day that having an overdraft is almost akin to putting a rock over, uh, putting a rock, tying a rock under you around your neck and jumping over a bridge and drowning. Because of all these extra fees and charges which banks, financial institutions add to their so-called interest payments, which you pay them for the privilege of borrowing a little bit of money in order to survive. It's quite extraordinary. So it's the same story in every field of human endeavour in this country. The consequences of the privatisation revolution, which is basically giving away state assets to the private sector for a peppercorn rent, The, you know, the consequences of deregulation, which means removing rules and laws which protect people from exploitation. The basic consequences of corporatisation, which means when you walk into a shopping centre, I can assure you that 95% of the businesses in those shopping centres are owned by corporations or franchises which are sold by corporations. There is no role for small business in this country. None whatsoever. And it really sickens me to the core when I hear politicians, especially Liberal National Party members, say that small business is the engine room of the economy. They have allowed, and small business is to blame to a large degree, they have allowed themselves to be almost eradicated from the commercial sector and left on the fringes and the margins. So it's no accident if you walk into a shopping centre in Darwin and you walk into a shopping centre in Adelaide or a shopping centre in Perth, or any shopping centre in this country, it is the same corporations which dominate 
the marketplace. And that is what is called corporatization. It is the destruction of small business. No wonder so many small businesses close that only have to deal with onerous local government legislation, state government legislation, but a federal government which in no way protects small business from the predatory behaviour of corporations. It's the same in the... In the, in the farming sector, I mean, we always get the crocodile tears story about the farmer that's going bankrupt. And the main reason the farmer is going bankrupt, apart from being squeezed by large corporations if they produce something which needs to be sold in this country, the main reason is because agribusiness dominates the sector and makes it almost impossible for small farmers to survive. And we have the Agribusiness Party masquerading as the National Party, pretending to look after the interests of small business. So everywhere we look, everywhere you and I look in this country, we see the domination, the domination of the economic sector. And I am concentrating on the economy today, the economic sector by a shrinking number of people who are maximising profits, whether it's through wage theft, whether it's through deregulation, removing workers' rights, hard-won rights they have won over decades, whether it's through privatisation, whether it's through allowing corporations to dominate the economic sector, whether it's through globalisation. And, on you know, I mean, globalisation, the biggest... Of, Furphy we've ever seen. It's very simple. You sign a three-trade agreement. You allow other countries to dictate your economic policies, to dictate your health system, to dictate the type of society you are. It's very simple. I mean, as I said last week, one in six, one in seven workers in this country are temporary workers. And I don't blame the temporary workers for being here. Good luck to them. What I blame is successive governments that have deregulated the workforce to such a degree in order to, very simply, destroy the ability of a shrinking number of trade unionists to actually act collectively on behalf of those members. And those few trade unions that have got enough members to actually continue to fight for their membership, we see successive successive attempts by governments to legislate them out of business. And we see the crossbenchers in this country jumping on the government's side as if the greatest threat to the Australian economy is a collectivised or a trade union movement working collectively for the interests of their members. I mean, the greatest threat to this country's economy, as we have seen, is low-wage growth which is due to the fact that trade unions have been legislated out of existence. The people cannot take unprotected industrial action or be involved in boycott campaigns without substantial financial penalties which will make them which will bankrupt them. It's just extraordinary. Let's move on. Let's move on. I could go on and on, but you know the score. Look, if you're tired of this garbage, if you're tired of being a victim, 
if you're tired of being cooked, kicked around, I was going to say cooked, <laughs> cooked in this cauldron, if you're tired of jumping up and down and nobody listening to you, I do recommend very strongly to join public interest before corporate interest. I mean, it's something I've been involved in in 2015. I was a foundation member. We hope to register as a federal political party sometime this year. Application is easy. Download the application form from pipsy.net. Haven't got a computer? Give me a ring. 0439. 395-489-0439-395-489. Give me a ring. Okay. Give me a ring. I'll send out some application forms. You haven't got a phone? You can always write to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. If you're going to do one thing this year, one thing, I recommend strongly that you join public interest before corporate interest. And talking about public interest before corporate interest... Uh, in Wonthaga in Victoria, the Unemployed Workers' Union is um, conducting a public forum in a public meeting at the Wonthaggy Town Hall. Uh, the uh, adjudicator will be a member of the Wonthaggy uh, City Council on affordable housing in the Bass region, to which you, you're all invited. It's from 2pm uh, to 4pm. There'll be three speakers and then forum and discussion, okay? Forum and discussion after the free speakers. There's Jessica Harris, who represents the Unemployed Workers' Union, who have organised the meeting. There's Mr Howard, Howard Morosi from Friends of Public Housing, who will be speaking about the public housing struggle. And there's yours truly uh, from Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. So you've got nothing to do. You live in that part of the, the world. You're listening to this program in that part of the world. Well, come along when Thaggy Town Hall, 2 p.m., to 4pm on Saturday, the 29th of February. If you want more information, go to my uh, Facebook page, uh, Joseph Toscano, and uh, you'll get more information there. So uh, think about it, join us, get involved. There's no point crying. There's no point slashing your wrists. There's no point jumping up and down. There's no point screaming. They don't care. The only thing they care about is people mobilising and acting and putting up new proposals and pushing those proposals and changing the political and social and cultural dynamic in this country. And if you think it's hard, it is hard, but it is worthwhile because if there's no struggle, there's no change. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. The Cone of Silence. You hear people you know, crapping on about the, you know, the Iron Curtain, the Bamboo Curtain, the list goes on and on. But how about the corporate or the capitalist code of silence? You ever heard about the capitalist code of silence? No. Now, look, one of my favourite programmes when I was a young person was uh, a, a thing called Get Smart or something. And Maxwell Smart was a bumbling, you know, secret service agent. And when he really wanted to talk privately to his boss... The Code of Silence. And older, I think, listeners of the program of the Anarchist World this week, remember, would kind of come down and he'd chat away and we'd listen to every word, obviously. Now, we have a cone of silence in this country. A cone of silence. Because we have a media which is dominated by the private sector 
and an Australian Broadcasting Corporation, which is tax-funded, who has been starved of funds and has been politically gelded over the last few decades, especially by the current government. So we have a cone of silence as far as ideas are concerned. There's ideas which promote the centralisation of power and the acquisition of wealth by a smaller and smaller group of people in this country as religious dogma. That's right, religious dogma. It is the essence, the foundation stones, the building blocks of our current society. It is a dogma to which you are not, you are not allowed to question. Every minute, every second of every day, of every year in this country, this code of silence has been activated and continues to be activated. The only debate and the only solutions which are allowed airtime anywhere in this country are those which support the status quo. I'm not talking about uh, issue-orientated politics. Capitalism can incorporate any issue-orientated politics into its framework, and it will if the pressure gets too much. But I'm talking about a cone of silence regarding the type of society we have become, a cone of silence regarding the cost of creating a society where power no longer resides in Parliament, where power lies, ultimate political authority in this country, lies in the boardrooms of national and transnational corporations. When do you hear that discussion? When do you hear that discussion? When do you hear discussions regarding the dangers and the price we are paying because of deregulation and privatisation and globalisation and corporatisation. Those discussions do not exist because the media, including social media, is dominated by the trivia, the trivial, the ignorant, the stupid ideas which are needed to ensure that people who are exploited by this very system continue to support this system on a daily basis, hoping against hope that some crumbs from the corporate table will be brushed into their laps. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And if you think that if you obey the law and do the right thing, that somehow you'll be rewarded in the society, think again. The people who are rewarded in the society are those who exploit other people's labour. The people who are rewarded in the society are those who pull the parliamentary strings. The people who are rewarded in the society are people whose ill-gotten gains are multiplied through government legislation. These are the people that are rewarded. And this cone of silence has been reinforced to a significant degree by legislation 
which allows the Australian Federal Police to intimidate any person in the media who is willing to expose what is happening. We see over and over again that whistleblowers try to have information disseminated in the society. We have this cone of silence which descends on them, not just from the corporate-owned media, but through government legislation, through parliamentary legislation, which criminalises those very people who are trying to expose the exploitation which is occurring in our society today. That's right. Today. They're very good at singling out an individual and harassing that individual, but they're not very good at actually looking at the system as a whole or giving people who have something to say regarding that system any time. I mean, I cannot believe the extent of the cone of silence. We are told we have a free media. We do not have a free media. We have a corporate-owned media which dominates thinking. And people think that the legacy media is dead and it's all about social media. I mean, Mr Murdoch continues to pour money into the Australian, a newspaper that has been in this country for over 50 years and never made $1 profit because he understands, and the people running his empire understands, that the political influence these newspapers have not just on politicians but on the debate of the day in an era where the 24-hour news cycle demands constant content in an era where the agenda for the day is not set by television, it is not set by radio, it is not set by social media, which is essentially a reactive organism which reacts to what's happening. It is not set by the Twitter stream. The agenda of the day, it continues to be set by the legacy media, which the electronic media and the World Wide Web then feeds off. So this cone of silence in this country is much more effective than the uh, Berlin Wall or the Iron Curtain or the, or the Bamboo Curtain. Much, 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 much more effective because it restricts the possibilities that people can canvas to address significant social, political and social issues which are occurring. That's what it does. That's what it's about, addressing those issues. And if there are no alternatives, if alternatives do not receive any oxygen or are starved of oxygen or are kept outside the tent or are removed by you know, a, a self-imposed cone of silence, one by the corporate media, which we expect, 
but also the government guild at ABC because it no longer has the capacity to raise issues outside its day-to-day activities. So think about it. Think about this cone of silence, how there is no debate, no discussion regarding viable alternatives, simple alternatives like public housing, simple alternatives like reintroducing a people's own bank, simple alternatives, no discussion ever. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. That's right, it is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Send the podcast, alert your friends to the podcast. And remember, you want to get involved? Join public interest before corporate interests. We're on the threshold of registering as a federal political party. Uh, at least that's what they hate. They hate people with ideas challenging them in their own arena. They don't mind you throwing rocks because they put up their shields. But when you're in there, they worry. Think about it. Join Pipsy. Download the application form, pipsy.net. You want to find out what's going on? Go to my personal Facebook page, Joseph Toscano or Toscano for the Public. Facebook pages, Defend and Extend Public Housing. Public Housing, Everybody's Business. Uh, web pages, pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net, anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. Twitter stream, that's right, we have a Twitter stream, although I find Twittering quite boring. Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I underscore A-U, YouTube channel, public interests before corporate interests. Public, remember, the many before the few, not the few before the many. We've put the cart before the horse for far too long. It's about the horse was put before the cart. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is heard across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Listen in to The Anarchist World this week, next week, and more important than listening in, get involved. I don't care what you get involved in. Get involved. They hate people who actually challenge them openly. Now's your chance. Now's your chance to do something about it. Join Pipsy. Join your local activist group. Join an issue-orientated campaign. But whatever you do, do not sit down and get click activism. It's a terrible thing. That forefinger gets really, really sore. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. Phone number 0439 395 489. Postal address, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Email anarchistage at yahoo.com pipsy.net Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week courtesy of your local community radio station Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else Anarchist World this week Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse 10am every Wednesday 
Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger! You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.